0: This is the Old Radio Show's podcast.
1: Mystery Playhouse, starring Boris Karloff. The American Broadcasting Company presents another program in its dramatic series in which you hear Boris Karloff transcribed each week in the leading role. Mystery Playhouse is, in a sense, a radio anthology of strange, exciting, and bizarre tales. Tales of a kind the world has enjoyed since time began. Tonight, Boris Karloff will tell us a story of a man and wife who suspect each other of being a criminal. It is called The Night Reveals and Boris Karloff will play the role of Harry Jordan.
0: There was something about my wife that distressed me. I don't know exactly what it was. The way she looked at me, the way she didn't look at me. But there was something on her mind. But let me tell it to you from the very beginning. About two weeks ago, I came home quite late about one in the morning. You see, I'm an investigator for the Herkheimer Fire Insurance Company, and it often keeps me very busy. My wife, Marie, and my son, Johnny, were both fast asleep. I undressed and went right to bed, dozed off almost at once, and then I was suddenly sitting upright in bed with a strange feeling. I looked over at my wife's bed. It was empty. I went into Johnny's room. She wasn't there. And she wasn't in the house at all. I looked at my watch. It was 1.30, just half an hour since I came home. I dressed quickly and went out and rang the elevator bell. Steve, the night man, was a long time in coming up. I stood there, nervous and worried, not knowing what was going on. Sorry to be so long, Mr. Jordan. That's all right, Steve. Maybe my family's keeping you rather busy. Yes, sir. How long ago did my wife go down? Um, about 20 minutes, Well, I just getting a little worried. She went to the drugstore. Well, the only one open now is the one on 96th Street. I guess that's what's keeping Mrs. Jordan. It's a long walk. Anything wrong, Mr. Oh, Jordan? Oh, no, nothing, nothing. She, she just went to get some aspirin. Of course, that's what it was. She had gone to the drugstore. I was just making a fool of myself. I walked slowly towards 96th Street, and when I reached the corner, I looked down the avenue, but there was no one in sight. I turned and began to walk slowly back to the house when I heard footsteps behind me. I turned around. It was Marie. She was as surprised as I was. Oh, Harry. I was getting worried about you when I saw you weren't in bed.
2: Well, I, I walked with a dreadful headache. There wasn't any aspirin, so I went to the truck store. But
0: I, I just bought a large bottle only a couple of days ago.
2: You did? Oh, I didn't know. Anyway, you shouldn't worry about me, dear. I was only gone about five minutes. Five? That's all it took me.
0: Yeah. You were coming from 101st Street, uh... There's no drugstore there.
2: Oh, you're wrong, dear. I, I came from the other direction.
0: Oh, I guess I was mistaken. Uh, where's, uh, where's the aspirin you just bought?
2: Why, in my bag. Come on, Harry. Let's go back home.
0: We went home. Went right to bed. But I couldn't sleep. And I knew she wasn't sleeping either. I wanted to talk to her, but but I didn't know what to say, where to begin. Harry. Yes?
2: Why aren't you asleep?
0: Oh, I don't know. Just not sleepy. I don't seem to be able to
2: Harry, drop over. There's a fire somewhere. Don't you hear the engines?
0: Why? They're going north. That's around my district, 115th Street.
2: Yes. Well, let's see if we can try and get some peace. Good night, dear. Good night.
0: As soon as I got to my desk the following morning, Mr. Parminter, the head of my department, sent word for me to come into his office. I put my hat away and went at once. Oh, hello, Jordan. Close the door and come in, please. Yes, sir. Jordan, we had a bad fire in one of our buildings about 1.30 this morning. Oh, uh... In my district? Yes, the one on 115th Street. The tenement house? Yes. Uh, any, anyone hurt? Fortunately, no. If it weren't for the new fire escapes put in last month, this would have been one of the worst tragedies in the city. you know how it started? Well, I was there last night. I think it started in the hallway. I'm not sure. Arson? Well, I don't know. I'd like you to take a look. The building was heavily insured. Our company is in deep. I'm ready to go right now, Mr. Barberton. Good. You'll get your hat and we leave at once. We stood before the building and looked at the charred form of the tenement. It was hard to believe that it was still standing. It seemed as if one good wind would bring the entire structure crashing down. Ah, She is a Lulu, isn't she? Yes. The fire drift marks show that the flames worked themselves up from the ground floor. Stairways acted like a bellows. I would say that in less than 15 minutes, the whole building was aflame from cellar to roof. That sure was. I know how these things can burn. Must have been a sheet of fire. Must have been something to look at. I don't remember seeing a building burn so fast. I'll go inside and see what I can find. No, no, maybe you'd better not. Fire department has it all roped off. It's too dangerous. Oh, that's my job. Maybe I can discover something. Now, look here, Jordan. It's not part of your job to get yourself killed. Oh, I can take care of myself. I'll be back in a few minutes. I held my breath. My heart hammered away at my ribs as I walked carefully into what was once a hallway. The ashes and charred wood underfoot were still warm. I touched nothing, for the hallway walls could collapse at a touch. It was hard to believe that this black hole in which I stood was once a hallway where people came and went. I reached the spot where the stairway once had been. Just a blackened metal railing came down from where the first floor had been. There'd been baby carriages here. The fire had contorted the frames so that they were just masses of fused metal. Jordan. Jordan. I'm all right, Mr. Parmiter. Don't be a fool, Jordan. I'll be out in a minute. put in the ashes and charred wood, but found nothing. And as I turned to go, something caught my eye. It was yellow and had a bright gleam. A piece of yellow metal that fused with a piece of twisted metal bar that had once been part of a baby carriage. Pried it loose with my penknife, put it in my pocket, and then went back. She's burnt hollow, isn't she? Yeah, she's a complete loss. This building will just have to be torn down. Learn anything? Started in the hallway under the stairs. I found a piece of yellow metal that doesn't belong on the frame of a baby carriage. Oh, let's see it. Oh, uh, I don't think it's anything. It's part of a baby carriage. Guess I'll take it home to the kid. He likes shiny, bright things. Any uh, possibility of arson? Mm, I don't know. It's... Of course, it's always possible. <laughs> My way home, I fingered the yellow shiny piece of metal, ran my fingernail across it and it left a mark. So it wasn't steel. I knew what it was. Gold. But I also knew that there are no gold gadgets on baby carriage. The matter? No, why do you ask?
2: Oh, your clothes, they're all full of ashes. Well,
0: I got myself filthy looking over that building on 115th Street. Daddy, Daddy! Hello, Johnny. How was my boy today?
2: Mommy bought me a new boat. Did you buy me candy? Oh,
0: I'm sorry. I'll get some for you later.
2: you said you would. I've got some candy for you, Johnny. I want Danny to bring me some. Oh, Marie. Yes, dear.
0: Where's your locket? You're not wearing it.
2: No. Uh, No, Mr. Elias, the jeweler has it. He's fixing it. As a matter of fact, you brought it to him, dear.
0: I don't remember.
2: Oh, you never do. You're really terribly absent-minded, Harry. Daddy, can you bring me the nugget candy you brought me yesterday?
0: Sure I can. I'll bring it tomorrow when I come home from work. You know, it's funny, Marie. I, I really can't remember anything about the locket or going to the jeweler's.
2: Well, then, if you didn't take it down to old Mr. Elias, it must still be in your suit.
0: Which suit?
2: I don't know what suit. Why don't you look through all your clothes?
0: I'll do that right now. It's 18 carat gold and cost me a lot of money.
2: I know, Harry. I'd be miserable if you lost it. Oh, I have a splitting headache.
0: Maybe you'd better see a doctor.
2: No. No, dear. I'll be all right.
1: Daddy, can I have a penny? Two pennies?
0: Here's a nickel, Johnny.
1: I want a penny.
0: I haven't got a penny. You'll have to take the nickel. I'm going to my room, Marie, and see if I can find that locket. I went to my room and locked the door. Then I took out the piece of yellow metal, studied it. It might have been round before the fire had distorted it. I examined it closely under the night. It seemed to have a seam of sorts. Took out the penknife, tried to insert it at the seam, but it wouldn't give. Then I forced the blade into a small crack. I tried to force it open, but it wouldn't give. I kept trying and trying, and suddenly it gave, and came apart. The inside of it was filled with tiny particles of shattered glass, and then I saw that it contained a scorched photograph. It was a picture of my son. This glob of yellow metal was my wife's locket.
2: Daddy, tell me a story before I go to sleep.
0: I just told you a story. Now go to bed, son.
2: No, stay with me just a little while. Now, now,
0: Johnny, you know our rule. I'll give you just one hug and that's all.
2: No, two hugs.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, Now good night. Sleep well.
2: You too, Daddy. Harry.
0: Oh, Marie, you startling me.
2: I thought I heard Johnny cry.
0: Just put him to bed. Go into the living room. I'd like to talk to you. When we got into the living room, I took out my pipe and lit it. Although I didn't look at her, I knew that she was watching me closely. And when I suddenly turned round and faced her squarely, I saw the anguish in her darting bird-like eyes. If there's something troubling you, Marie, I, I wish you'd tell me.
2: The, there's nothing troubling me.
0: If you're not feeling well, maybe you should see a doctor.
2: No, dear, I'm feeling fine. It's just one of those headaches. It's going away. Harry... I read about the fire on 115th Street in this afternoon's paper. Well, was it as bad as they said?
0: Completely burned out, except for the brick walls. Burned like dry newspapers. It's one of those buildings in which the stairway is in the middle of the house, and if the fire is started right at the bottom of the stairs, it becomes a natural bellows. Whoever started that fire understood the character of fires pretty well. She watched me with eyes, now still, bright and tense. She listened to me with her whole body leaned towards me as I spoke of the fire, her fingers stiff and still upon the table. Marie. There's another building just like that, just round the corner. The red brick building with turreted roof. You know the one I'm talking about?
2: Yes. It's an old one. It's got the name Compton engraved near the roof.
0: That's right, the Compton building. If a fire ever got started there, it wouldn't take more than ten minutes before the whole place would be a roaring furnace. Oh, my pipe's gone out. Hand me the lighter, Marie.
2: I'll light it for you, dear.
0: Thanks. I'd rather light it myself.
2: Oh, let me.
0: No fluid in it. What's happened to the matches in this drawer? I always keep it filled.
2: I have a match.
0: Did you take the matches out of the drawer?
2: (laughs) I needed them for the gas range.
0: All of them? There was a whole carton of matches.
2: I just took the carton.
0: Give me the rest of the matches. Here, let let me. No, I'll. I'll light it myself. matchbook was crumpled as if it had been held tightly. I had to strike the match on the cover several times before it took flame with a tiny explosive sound. It sputtered and hissed a little as it slowly crawled down the matchstick. The cone-shaped flame, bright yellow on top and blue at the base, grew larger as it fed on the matchstick. Marie stared at the flame. She stared at it with her mouth slightly open, staring at it as if it were alive and beautiful. I held the flame to my pipe. The living flame darted into the bowl and kindling the tobacco. Marie watched, and a quiver went through her. I put the match in the tray, and soon it curled up and died in the last tiny puff of smoke. Your purse, Marie. May I have it?
2: My purse? Why do you want my...
0: It's full of matches.
2: Matches? why should it be full of matches
0: because you put them there oh,
2: that's ridiculous
0: let me have your purse i'll show you ah, here we are crowded with matchbooks safety matches and two of my lighters oh please
2: don't take them harry and
0: here are several newspaper clippings clippings of fires fire on 115th street a total loss police suspect arson and destructive fire on third avenue and this clipping pyromaniac confesses how he started fire in warehouse without actual use of flame. He placed cotton waste, soaked in oil, underneath a pile of rags behind a stairway in a badly ventilated place. The cotton waste grew warmer and warmer until it burst into flame long after he was gone. Although he didn't get as much satisfaction as actually using a match, it, it was by far the safest way. Why are you saving all these clippings?
2: I was going to give it to you. It might be of use to you in your fire investigation work.
0: Yes. Yes, it would be very helpful.
2: Harry, where are you going? Just
0: going down to get a paper.
2: Oh, it's very late, dear. Let's go to bed. I'm just
0: going for a paper. I want to think over what is the best thing for us to do.
2: Oh, Harry. (laughs) Look,
0: darling, go to bed. We'll talk about it tomorrow. When I returned, she was still up, busying herself with chores around the house. But I was tired and went to bed. I couldn't sleep and waited for Marie to come in. Finally, she did come in. But she was still dressed. She brought me a hot
2: cup of cocoa. I brought you some cocoa, Harry. I don't want any it'll make you fall
0: asleep oh i'll get by without it
2: please harry you need the sleep all
0: right all right leave it on the table it
2: doesn't taste very good when it's cold i'll drink
0: it right away
2: good night darling
0: aren't you coming to bed
2: as soon as i finish sorting out johnny's clothes sleep well dear.
0: i didn't drink the cocoa because i was sure it had other ingredients in it besides the sugar and cream I got out of bed, found an empty bottle on the dresser, poured the cocoa into it and hid it under the bed. And I lay down again and waited. It must have been 20 minutes later when I heard the door open softly.
2: Harry. Harry.
0: I didn't answer or stir. She looked at me, looked at the empty cup and then walked out as softly as she had come in. Quickly dressed, but not quickly enough, for I heard the outer door close, put the bottle of cocoa in my pocket and hurried out and rang the elevator bell. Hello, Mr. Jordan. Hello, Steve. Your wife just went down a few minutes ago. I know. She walked towards 3rd I know that too. Take me down, please. I knew she. Compton building round the corner. I walked rapidly up to Third Avenue and then turned the corner. I half ran the short block and turned again and hurried to where the ugly red brick Compton building stood with its turreted roof. The street was deserted. The bright, harsh light of the street lamps made the street even more lonely. I walked up to the building and peered in. Far down the hallway where the stairway began, a figure crouched near the floor. I knew very well who it was. I walked down the hallway.
2: Who, who is it? It's me. Harry!
0: Come on, Marie, let's get out of here.
2: I was only trying to... I know to...
0: what you're trying to do. Let's go home. No, Come dear, I... on, Marie, please, please don't protest anymore. didn't say a word until we got into the house. She was as pale as chalk and she looked so weary that I felt sorry for her. I was beginning to feel the strain myself. I closed my eyes for a moment and I could see the burning matchstick with its yellow and blue flame. Maria had slumped down in the chair and was staring moodily at the floor. I took the bottle of cocoa out of my pocket and put it on the table. Marie, I didn't drink the cocoa. What did you put in it? You might as well tell me before I have it analyzed.
2: I ground a sleeping pill into powder. I had to do it. Harry, let's go to bed. I'm so tired I can't even talk.
0: Let's get rid of all the matches. We'll burn them all. We can get a new start. I know we can. It's
2: no good, Harry. It won't work.
0: Of course it'll work, Marie darling. We just must try. It's no use too late. It's never too late. I'm going to burn up every match in the house.
2: Oh, no, Harry. I don't want you to do that. That's
0: the best way to start. Oh,
2: please, Harry, don't. Oh.
0: See? We've burned them all. We'll burn them all in the tray. Give me the rest of them. No,
2: Harry. I won't give them to you. I won't. I won't.
0: the large, heavy glass ashtray on the table, the book of matches, was burning quietly. Just one corner of the book was aflame, and from the other corner, a wisp of white smoke rose straight into the air, breaking near the ceiling. I thought the book would burn itself up. Suddenly the fire went out, leaving half of it unburned stared at the charred book, and then at Marie, who had watched the flame with fascination. Let me have the rest of the matches. No, Harry. Give them to me at once.
2: Please, please, Harry, let's go to bed.
0: Oh. I slapped her, and then I reached for her purse. She wouldn't let oh. go of it and fought to hold it. I tried to twist it out of her grasp. She wrenched it out of no. my hand and ran <gasps> towards the door. I caught her, but she fought back with the ferocity of a tigress. <sighs> She clawed at me, scratching at my face. I fell back at the gate she came after me. I a heavy glass, Ashley, with both hands and hurled it at my head. I remembered a sharp, crushing pain and... and... nothing. When I came to, I was alone. There was a heavy, pulsating pain in my head. At first, I couldn't remember where I was or, or what had happened. Slowly, it all came back. I felt my head, sticky with blood, went to the bathroom, washed it, and suddenly, came to me. Johnny. Where was my boy, Johnny? I ran into his room, but he wasn't there. He wasn't in his bed. She had taken him or run away. I became panicky. Where would she run? There was only one place she could go. Her sister, her sister Martha. I had to follow her. I didn't wait for the elevator, but ran down all the six flights. Her sister lived in a four-flight walk-up, an old but remodeled building. I stood in the hallway and looked up the stairs. I knew this kind of building. If they ever caught fire, you just wrote them off the book.
2: Please go away, Harry.
0: Let me in just for a moment. What
2: are you going to accomplish?
0: We must talk about it. Where's Johnny? He's here. I want to see him.
2: Here I am, Daddy. Here oh, I am.
0: Johnny, where's your aunt?
2: She went down to get some milk for Johnny. At this hour? There's an all-night delicatessen down the street. What's that? I don't know. some of the neighbors.
0: Something must have happened.
2: Smoke. There's smoke in the hallway. It's coming up from downstairs.
0: The house is afire.
2: We can't go down the stairs. The
0: roof's our only chance. Come on, let's go. Daddy! Don't be afraid, Johnny. The fire won't hurt you at all. We were on the roof, and I could see the flames pouring out of the windows below. One side of our building was an empty parking lot and the other an apartment house. There was a 15-foot space between us and the wall. The roof of the apartment house was two stories higher. Firemen on the roof, getting ready to throw a rope down.
2: Now, take it easy. We'll get you all off. Now, Johnny, get hold of the rope, and they'll pull you up just like a game. I won't go alone. I want you to go with me.
0: Johnny, you're a big boy.
1: Tie the rope around his middle. That's it. Now, Sonny, look
2: up
0: at me and we'll take you right up just like an elevator. No! No! Marie, you'd
2: better go first. No, Johnny goes. You must go, Johnny. I'll come right up after you.
1: A
0: few minutes later, we were all safe on the ground. Watching the great fire, now a mass of flames eating the building up before our eyes. Policemen came over to us. Yes. Are you folks all right?
2: Yes. But my husband, this man. What's the matter with him? Is he hurt? Yes, he's badly hurt. He's a pyromaniac. He's He set fire to this house. He set fire to many houses. I can't keep quiet any longer. I can't. I can't. <laughs>
0: Murray. She just doesn't understand. She doesn't understand fires at all. Look how the cheerful flames play and laugh in the wind. Why, fire is joy. It's alive. Everybody knows that. Fire is the cleanest thing of all. It cleans everything it touches, germs, filth, and sin, and everything that's ugly. Fire is life. It brings life into dead wood, dead things. Well, mustn't put the fire out. It hates water. It wants to live just like all of us. Please tell them to stop. Oh, they're choking her
2: to death, my lovely pure fire. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it!
1: Mystery Playhouse, starring Boris Karloff. You have heard The Night Reveals, another program in ABC's dramatic series which has brought Boris Karloff to you each week transcribed in the leading role. The program was directed by Clark Andrews. The orchestra was conducted by Bernard Green. Heard tonight were Alice Frost as Marie and Arthur Venton as Parmenter. The script adaptation was by Sigmund Miller from a short story by William Irish. Gene Kirby speaking This is ABC The American Broadcasting Company